The good news, the good news about today is we're not going to be talking about taking. We're going to be talking a whole lot about giving because we are in our annual series. We do this every year in the month of November. It is called Be Rich. And I'm going to be honest with you uh, because I feel like all pastors should be honest. Uh, And that is that two things. I have an agenda today and we're going to talk about money. Both things that pastors are notoriously bad and have a bad stereotype, a bad rap around, having an agenda and talking about money. But today is your lucky day. Get excited. Um, It is. Uh, And I think um, today, though, the agenda is worth considering. And uh, if you consider the agenda, and my main point for today, if you can, you know, I think it's worth considering that, uh, it will help you in how you think about your money, so I think it's worth worth talking about today. All right, so we're gonna start with a fairly deep question, um, and that question we're gonna spend a little time on uh, so we can all reflect on this question. What have you been given in your life? What have you been given in your life? What are things, tangible and intangible things that you have been given, that you have not earned, you didn't work for them, you just got them because you existed What are things that maybe you haven't even created of your own hand or done the work for, but you were given them anyways, simply because you just existed? Now, I know you're going to say some of these examples that I'm going to give you might feel a bit dramatic, but I think they're actually kind of real. We just don't think about them that often. For example, you were given hands and feet at birth. And you didn't think too much of that. In fact, your whole life, you didn't think too much about your hands and your feet because, well, they've always been with you. And so for the last how many years, you have gone through life and you have grown and you have played and you have learned and you've experienced and you've changed the world because you had something that not everyone has. Hands and feet. All of your life. How much do you appreciate them? Do you even think in terms that you were given these things, that you did not earn your hands or your feet? Wouldn't that be a weird life if you had to earn your body parts? But you don't. You were given them. They were a gift. In fact, our hands and our feet are really quite superior. Among all animals and all creatures in the world, you can do some incredible things. Humanity, together, through our hands and our feet, have done incredible things throughout history and time, and I'm sure we'll continue to do so into the future. How many of you have ever received, uh, you don't have to raise hands, but you know, just think about it. How many of you have ever been given a scholarship or a grant? How many of you have ever gotten a card from grandma or grandpa or uncle or an aunt with money in it because it was your birthday? Like, did you really earn it? You know? Maybe when you turned 16, somebody helped you or you got a car. Maybe somebody throughout your life has helped you with school supplies, just simply being prepared for school every year. You were given that. I'm guessing, you know, when you went to kindergarten or first grade, you didn't pay for those school supplies. Maybe an education throughout your entire life. Have you truly earned all the education that has been poured into you throughout your life? Now, maybe you earn some of it, right? Maybe you've done some work to get some portion of that. But for a lot of those things, a lot of those gifts, there was never an intentionality or an expectation that you were to pay that back, right? That you got that, you received it, but it wasn't like, well, now you owe me. 
all of us, if we live in America at least, have protections and rights under the law. What did you do to earn those? Because for many of us, we simply have those rights because we were born here and nothing else. Some of us uh, have traveled abroad, and so you have learned that as an American, you have, with your passport, the ability to travel to nearly almost every country in the entire world, and that your money, the money that you earn every single day, is widely accepted across the world as like the premier standard of currency, simply because you are an American, or you have an American passport. And that's not something that everybody has, is it? Some of you had to, to do some work for that, but how many of us have truly worked and earned the rights that we have, especially considering the fact that, because I looked this up, um, especially because in the history of America, somewhere in the neighborhood of a couple hundred thousand people, almost a half a million people have died in combat to protect those rights and freedoms and protections. I don't know about you, but I definitely have not worked hard enough to earn what I've been given in that arena. Now, maybe, maybe, some of you go through every day, you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, I'm just so grateful. And you spend at least a half hour thinking about all the things that you have been given in your life. And so you're on board with everything I'm saying so far. And that's phenomenal. Thank you. You're making my life easier. For the rest of us, including myself, that's not how I wake up every day. Um, most days, I don't even get a choice when I wake up because I have children. I'm not bitter. But <laughs> if you're like me, you tend to push back. You tend to not want to accept the fact that you were given some of these things and that you have then some responsibility or you have some responsibility to be grateful for that which you have been given. I don't know about you, but like for me, you know, I, I think there were plenty of checks I got in the mail from my grandparents that I just kind of felt like I deserved it. You know, like, well, that's the least you can do, send me money, grandma. That's what grandmas are supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? I just kind of thought I deserved it. Didn't really think that I earned it. Now, some of you certainly maybe have taken care of your body. You've done right by the body that you have been given. But let's be honest, did you really earn it in the first place? My ego, and I think sometimes our ego, our entitlement, our I deserve what I have kind of mentality uh, makes us forget how much we really truly have been Given. I mean, just think of your life, just simply your existence. What did you do to earn your existence? I mean, this is kind of funny and also serious. What did your parents do to earn your existence? Like very little, really. Now, moms, you certainly have done far more than the guys have done to bring children into the world. I do not deny that. However, none, there is not a single parent in existence who has woven together the fibers of life in a human being to bring the cells together and the eyes together and the hands and the feet together to bring life into this world that is just truly beyond our comprehension. And we've made massive leaps in science, yet we are still so far away from being able to fully grasp how this amazing thing occurs, and that is bringing a life into this world. You were given a life, whether your parent or your own. 
How many of you have ever earned love before? I mean, every night, uh, I don't know, lately, Everly, our three-year-old, um, really wants me to lay with her for a little while, and we say prayers and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I'll lay in her bed with her, and then she'll grab my arm, and she'll arrange it on her pillow, and then she'll lay right here. And then, and this is adorable, I just, it's overwhelming, honestly. Then she'll roll over, give me a big hug, like as hard as she possibly can. And I know it's as hard as, because she'll do it with her sister Easton, her one-year-old, and she'll like strangle her. Um, But she'll do that with me. And of course, for me, I I think it's fantastic. Not with Easton, but for me, I think it's fantastic. And she'll give me that big hug and she'll say, I love you, daddy. You are the best daddy. I have not told, I didn't tell her to say that. She just does that on her own, I promise you. (laughs) And I, I'm just telling you, it is the most overwhelming feeling to have such unfiltered and honestly undeserved love. Like, yes, do Stephanie and I go out of our way to bring them, you know, opportunities and education and, and food and all of that stuff? Yes, but to, to deserve that, I'm not that great of a parent to deserve such unfiltered, unrestricted love. I mean, if you've ever been in a long-term relationship, married, dating, or engaged, I mean, did you, did you, do you really earn the love your spouse shows you? Have you earned it or, or was it given to you? Have you earned the forgiveness they show you, the patience they show you, the mercy they show you, or some of that just, just simply given? You know, and I'll hear, especially guys, you know, they'll say, well, I work hard for my family, you know, and I support them. And I'm like, oh, okay, so you're paying for your family's love then. Oh, no, okay. So what is it? Personally, I'm not convinced that love is necessarily something in its purest form, in its most right form, in its God-given form is something you can earn. It's something that's given. So that's what, you, that's what I want you to think about for the next little bit. And this is just a few, few short minutes. I mean, if you, if you took a second to 20 minutes to think about all the things you've been given, I mean, we could go on and on and on. And so with that as the backdrop, I just wanna ask you a couple questions. If, if this is all that you've been given, if so much is given, then the first question I want you to consider is who is the giver? And I know some of you are like, oh, there's your agenda, you know, it's Jesus. Okay, don't skip ahead. Just think about it. If so much is given, who is the giver? Because it ha- if it's given, it comes from somewhere. Or, or some of you, are you just fate? Are you just a roll of the dice? It's just a chance that you exist and that's all there is. But I think for most of us, we know deep in our hearts that that is just not a satisfying answer. All the things, if you list them, all the things you've been given, now, this is just a roll of the dice. It's just a matter of fate and maybe some good decision-making. If that's what you believe, does that really give you peace? Or is there something, someone who has given that to you? And maybe that idea, if you explore it further, which we don't have time to do today, will bring you that peace. Because for me, when I take stock of everything I've been given, when I sit there or lay there and Everly's giving me a huge squeeze and saying I'm the best dad ever, which is probably true, but it humbles me. It really does. It makes me feel so grateful for everything. And I, 
I personally, I just want to direct that gratitude somewhere. And I'm thankful to her, but what did I really do to earn that moment? There's got to be something bigger. And I have a heart that wants to direct that gratitude somewhere. Who's that? Who does that go to? Where does that go? And if, you've, if you're really honest with yourself and you recognize you've been given so much, the other question I'd want to ask you is this. What do you do with everything you have been given? What do you do with it? Do you just get more until you're satisfied? More and more and more until you're satisfied? When is enough? When is enough money enough? When is enough stuff enough? When are you going to stop wanting more? And the answer that you and I both know, if we're, again, honest with ourselves, it's never going to be enough. We'll never be fully satisfied. It will never be enough. King David, um, at near the end of his life, uh, actually kind of answers these questions for us. And, and that's where I want to look for just a quick second. Um, King David's a very famous character in the biblical story. If you've been around church at all, you've probably heard his name come up um, in just because of his place in the biblical story, and uh, which is in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible. Um, uh, he lived around 1,000 or so B.C., give or take a few years. Um, and he gives us, through his kind of the end of his life, a, an answer to these questions. Um, and, and David is famous because, and I think this is really important to set this up, um, he's famous because he was a real person, yes, a king, but he was also a very real person, with real failures, real moral failures. But the thing about David is even in the midst of the challenges, even in the midst of the storms in his life, he had a faithfulness to God that just, man, if you read his story, it's just like, wow, I don't know if I would have done that if I were in the same situation. And that's honestly what made him such a big name in the, the Jewish uh, history and also in the Christian history is because his faithfulness to God and in his faithfulness, he also took Israel, which was kind of a backwater country, often taken over by a lot of um, other bigger kingdoms. Um, he took Israel to its pinnacle, to its height, to its heyday. Um, he conquered a ton of land, became very powerful. The nation became very powerful, very dominant in its military. Um, and with bigger land and with a bigger kingdom and with more people, what happens economically? Generally speaking, you become what? Wealthier. Yeah, you become rich. And that's what the nation of Israel was in David's time. And so people love David and people have loved David for years because of his faithfulness, despite his failures, and what his impact was on the kingdom of Israel. And so in response to everything David had, he did something that most kings don't do, or kings will do as kind of an afterthought, or something to placate the people. David gave. David was generous. David started building a massive temple in Jerusalem, not to himself, as so many kings and emperors and so-called gods have done over the, the centuries, over the millennia. He built it to God. He built it to Yahweh, and it looked more or less like this. Um, we don't have a ton of archaeological evidence because it's so old. It's prob we'll probably find it one day. It's in Israel, but if you've ever been to Israel uh, and you walked around Jerusalem specifically, there's people's houses probably on top of the temple 
or there's a temple on top of the temple, depending on where it is. So it's, it's not the easiest thing to find and dig up. But here's a ballpark of what it looked like. It was very grand, very big, and inside very ornate. It's kind of like a cutout of, of uh, artistic's rendering of the temple, but it was very grand. And to build something this grand in 1000 BC was an incredible feat. And so at the end of David's life, they're preparing to like acquire all the stuff. He doesn't actually get to build the temple, but he acquires all the things and items and to, to help make this temple possible. And so in the last chapter of one of the books that document David's life, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, it's the last chapter in the, the first book of Chronicles, he gives us an answer to this question, but also just... I mean, it is worth taking um, 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and just going home and reading it. I mean, you don't even have to have a lot of the backstory to just take some really cool things away from, uh, from David's account, okay? So, so here's how he, he's ending his life, and here's how he reflects upon everything that's been going on. Here's how he reflects upon uh, building of the temple, and I just think it's so incredibly powerful. Here, here's, his, here's how he starts. Or here's, well, it's kind of halfway through, um, but here's like when he really gets into the meat of it. He said, but who am I and who are my people? Okay, this guy's like one of the wealthiest men in all of the world at this time. And this is his response. Who am I? really, in the grand scheme of things, who are my people even? All these people that have come to help put this temple together, I mean, who are they? His response is humility. Humility almost, honestly, to a fault. Who am I that I, that I deserve this? Humility almost to a fault is how he meets everything that he has been given he goes on, who am I and who are my people that we should be even able to give as generously as this? I'm not just amazed for everything I've given or I've been given. I'm amazed and for everything I've conquered and everything I've built. I'm humbled just simply by the fact that I can give. We can collectively give so much. <laughs> who am I to deserve this? To be this wealthy and to be able to give so much. His response to everything he had been given is to, was to give. And you and I, we've been given so much. We've talked about this before. You can think about all the things we listed at the top of the message. But think about this, we, and I've, I've said this, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse here, but I just think it's so powerful. If you make, if there's two uh, adults in your home, just two adults only, and you make combined between the two of you $45,000 a year, you are in the top 6% wealthiest wage earners in the world. How many people we got in the world now? Six, seven billion people? You are in the top 6% in the world. And if you question it, just go to howrichami.com and type it in and it'll tell you and you might not totally like what you find. If you, as a combined couple, make $65,000 or more a year, you are now in the top 2% of wage earners in the world, in U.S. dollars. Now, I get you may not feel like you're in the top 2% of the world. I get it. 
Because you're like, well, Taylor, I have top 2% of the world bills, okay? You know, like with such great power becomes such great responsibility, Taylor. I get it. But it doesn't change the fact that you have ability, you have opportunity, you have wealth that 98% of the world does not. That 98%, which are a lot of billions of people, do not have. And let me ask you this. this. This one hurts. I mean, I feel convicted just asking this question personally. Did you really earn the top 6% spot? Did you really earn the top 2% spot? Did you really earn that spot? What are the chances? What are the chances that someone in the world that's instead in the bottom 2% of wage earners in the world works harder than you do, more diligently than you do, yet they're in the bottom 2% of the world? Could you imagine the lifestyle of the bottom 2% of the world? I don't know if you can, I don't think you can find that hardly in the United States. You have to literally be in another country. Because even the poor here are richer than the wealthiest abroad. Personally, that humbles me. It makes me want to say, but who am I to be able to have all that I have? To be given so much wealth because I didn't earn that. I didn't earn my spot. Really? A lot of it was given. A lot of it was out of my control. So what should I do in response? And David's answer was to give as generously. To give generously. And he doesn't stop there. He goes on. He says, everything comes from you, Lord. Everything comes from you, God. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. Lord, even what I have isn't really mine. I have all this gold, but I didn't create gold. I have all this silver and jewels and all these things, but I didn't create this. These things, Lord, have existed before I existed and will exist past my existence, as is true with all of us. All the things that we have have existed before we had them and will exist long after we pass. It's not, it's not mine. Honestly, it's a little arrogant to say it's really mine. It might be more accurate to say I just steward all that I have because it's truly been given to me. And then David in 1 Chronicles, it says he died. And I want you to hear the last word. I gotta put it up on the screen. I just, just want you to hear this last, uh, one of the last closing sentences about David and his life. Because I think for some of us, we're like, hey, if we give, we're gonna be broke. It's gonna be hard. Life is gonna be hard. Here's, after giving generously, here's what, what it said about David. Then he, David, died at a good old age, full of days, riches, and honor. Wow. David, who started as just a really common shepherd in the fields, playing a harp, Fighting off lions and bears, oh my. Became king and died and still lived 
generously. The only response, I think, to all that we have been given, to the giver who gives, is what First Timothy or Paul said to Timothy. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. To be rich, not in money, but in generosity. To be rich, not in finances, but in good deeds. And to be generous and willing to share. That's what, as Christians, we should do. For those of us who follow Jesus, to say, wow, I've been given so much and I just want to give in response. I wasn't totally playing a game with you, but for some of you, I went around and I gave out a bunch of Starbucks gift cards this morning, okay? And they're $5 gift cards, so you can get a coffee. Can't, I don't think you can get a latte anymore, okay? And for a second, you know, I mean, imagine if I had given you, I couldn't get to everybody a gift card. I'm not Oprah, okay? But... <laughs> You know, imagine if you had gotten a gift card, unexpected. You just walked into church today, you got a gift card, and you'd be like, wow, that's really nice. I really appreciate what Taylor has given me, and I'm so looking forward to this pumpkin spice latte. Okay? That's a totally valid response. What happened there, though? Because I do the same thing. I'm not trying to put myself on a moral high ground here or anything, okay? We said, oh, we're giving it, it's mine. We're giving it, it's mine. But it's not. (laughs) You didn't earn it. It was given. So what should you do if you've been given so much? What's the right thing? What's the thing that's going to bring peace and joy, not just to your life, but the lives of others? What's going to be the most God-honoring response? What does love require of me? I'm not going to tell you the answer. I'll let you figure it out this week. It has something to do with that, by the way. Just a little hit. All November, every November, we do Be Rich, okay? Where we raise a bunch of money, where you pledge a bunch of money, and we give 100% of it away. Because we believe we have been given so much, the right response to that generosity is to give. The right response to the fact that a lot of what we've been given really isn't something we earned. And in humility, we give. And we support. And so that's what we do as a church. For Be Rich, um, if you don't know, we go around and we vet uh, projects. We find projects throughout the year that we can get behind and help, like usually nonprofits or organizations or individuals that already exist doing great work, and we partner with them. We want to support them. And we say, how can we help? Okay? And then we give. We raise money, and then we give to help those things happen. And in the past, over past Be Riches, combined as a church, we have given about $45,000. Just raise it in a month and give it away. It's pretty incredible. Um, And so last year, uh, we raised thousands, and it was given away. Uh, We gave to uh, help um, Haiti with food and fuel, because at that point, not that it's a ton better now, but at that point, Prices were just astronomical. That was when there was a ton of gang activity uh, and and, uh, there was a big earthquake. Um, And so we helped specifically an orphanage. Some of you know um, this particular orphanage is called Bethel in Haiti. Um, We're going to have a lot more on that next week. So be here next week for that. Um, And uh, 
we, we help and we do what we can. Um, and, um, and then we gave a little bit to um, help uh, with a new church start. Um, and if you want more information on how that's going, uh, be here on November 15th for the State of the Church meeting, okay? Uh, be here. If, if Infuses your church home, you are welcome to attend that State of the Church meeting. Um, we just like to have a separate meeting to do church business, and so that's, that's the meeting uh, to be there for. And if you can't make it to the November 15th, we'll record it and just hit me up or uh, we can get you a recording. Um, we gave money to help um, start uh, the Jabez Cafe, which is on the other side of Iowa City, um, specifically uh, to help um, uh, students, um, I, uh, generally high school students or um, newly graduated students who have disabilities, um, learn on the real world uh, job training uh, in a restaurant in the food and beverage in- industry. And so sometimes um, the most, some of those individuals can do is just work at this cafe and sometimes they can go on and get other jobs in other places. And so that has gone really well. Uh, and it's, it's really cool. If you haven't had a chance to go over to the east side of Iowa City, you just Google Jabez Cafe and go over and have some food over there um, uh, throughout the week. And then uh, last year, one of the big things we did is we uh, supported um, Alex, who is an Iowa City native, and his family, and they're over working through Mission Aviation Fellowship, flying airplanes into remote parts of Papua, Indonesia. And if that sounds like a lot, it's because it is. And we specifically helped, um, one of the big projects we helped with was renovating a school. And uh, I don't, I didn't have time to collect all the pictures, partially because well, I got some of the pictures like two months ago, and then they made some really good progress over the last two months. And last night at 11.54 p.m., I'm not joking, Alex sent me an email. I'm like, I can't put this into the sermon at this point. So uh, in three weeks, we're going to talk more about how that project's been going. But um, here is the school. This is the school. I know it doesn't look like an American school, but it is a remote part of Indonesia school. Um, and so I love this picture. Here's, so they flew the plane in. Uh, actually, next slide, I think there's a picture of the plane. Nope, never mind, my bad. Oh, well. Okay, so there's a wing of the plane. <laughs> and so um, Alex flies it in, and then uh, everybody helps. And so here's all the people, and they're helping uh, to take all the supplies from the plane to the school to start renovating. The renovations look really cool. I mean, they've just brought this building back to life. Um, and so the teacher of the school, um, he actually sent you all uh, a thank you uh, just last month. And so I downloaded it and hopefully it's gonna play. So let's see how this goes. And it's translated. The translation works out pretty well. Siang. Ini dari Otosi. Mengucapkan terima kasih gereja Amerika yang sudah mendukung saya untuk sekolah saya di kampung di Membramu suku Tause. Dari saya mewakili untuk mengucapkan gereja Amerika dan saya tidak pikir bahwa gereja Amerika akan bantu saya sekolah di kampung saya. Ini rencana Tuhan luar biasa. Waktu saya mengajar saya tidak pikir gereja Amerika akan bantu di sekolah sana begitu. Sebab itu saya bersyukur dan sekarang ini sama Pak Alex ya tadi kami sudah bertemu dan kami sudah bicarakan dan kami akan masuk hari Kamis nanti ke kampung. Jadi kami 
hari ini kami persiapkan untuk masuk. Terima kasih. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the school looks fantastic. So they've started classes back up. Um, they, it's funny, his email, they, the teacher and Alex, they went into the village to get all the desks that everyone had taken from the school back into the school so kids could start learning uh, and then doing renovations, new roof, uh, windows, paint. It, it just, it looks much more like a place where kids will want to learn. And so uh, we're gonna share more on that here in a couple of weeks, but that's just something that you gave to last year um, that, that's really going well. So this year, for Be Rich 2022, um, we've upped the goal. Last year it was $10,000. This year it's gonna be $14,500. Um, we're gonna give to a number of different things this year. Uh, the first one that I wanna talk to, that little guy right there, um, is we're gonna do a ministry scholarship of sorts, okay? So um, throughout the year, sometimes people will come to us and say, hey, I really have a heart to help these people or I really have a heart to, to um, spread God's love into these, this or learn about uh, through an education or a class or something um, and, and ultimately to share Jesus' love with others. And so we wanna be able to help those people throughout the year. And it's not a lot of money, but a little bit sometimes goes a long way. And so this is just gonna create a little scholarship fund that we hope to give away every year. And maybe we can start doing this as a reoccurring basis and people can apply for it. And we get to fund it throughout the year, not just in November. Um, and then uh, the next one is uh, Neighbors in Tiffin. And so uh, there is about a $600 um, debt uh, of utility bills in the city of Tiffin. So city of Tiffin, that's like water and sewer. Uh, so people who are just genuinely behind and struggling to get ahead. And so we're gonna pay that debt off and then we're gonna be able to give them a reserve so that as the winter goes on, which um, the city administrator said is, you know, understandably usually the toughest time for people to pay their utility bills, um, they can help those people who, who really could use a helping hand at their discretion, which is gonna be awesome throughout the winter as, as long as there's money available. Um, and then we're gonna work with um, all the counselors in the Clear Creek Amanda School District, specifically Ashley, and um, she has been a great point person to work with. There is a Clear Creek Amanda Joint uh, Counselor Fund, and they use this fund to help kids with a whole uh, slew of things, um, everything from like hygiene concerns to clothing um, to food scarcity issues and uh, to, to financially fill in the gaps where they don't have existing supplies or things that have been given. And specifically every year, they give about 100 or so uh, snow boots and pants away. And that is a really huge draw on that fund every year. And so they said, if you could help relieve that burden that we take on every year as kind of a collective group of counselors, that would help us to really uh, be able to be freed up throughout the rest of the year um, to help kids as they're needing help. And so we're going to give to help um, offset the cost for those 100 new pairs of snow boots and snow pants, uh, which is awesome. And then the last one uh, that we're gonna do is we're going to um, help out again with Bethel Orphanage in Haiti. Ken, uh, the director, the American side director of Haiti is gonna be here next week and he and I are gonna be talking and you're gonna be learning. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, but uh, in COVID, just as a little backstory, Bethel Orphanage in Lakai, Haiti, uh, lost all of their funding. They had one source of funding that funded the entire orphanage and that organization just straight up stopped funding them all of a sudden. And so they were in a very dire Base. And so GoServe Global, which is an Iowa-based nonprofit started by a couple of farmers up in Northwest Iowa, um, has done everything they can 
to help out. Um, they haven't been able to afford like taking on the entire orphanage and funding it and everything. And so another church in Minnesota, uh, a very generous giver here in Iowa and Infused Church have kind of tried as best we can to step in to fill the gap. Um, and you all have tried in the past to step in. And so in the past, we've gotten them like new windows and doors uh, instead of just bars and open air. Um, and then um, last year helping with food and fuel. And um, this year, uh, it's, it, oh, and then you guys have also in the past, even our kids area has helped sponsor some of the kids, which is awesome. Like you can go onto their website. I think I have a screenshot. Yeah, and you can go help sponsor some of the kids. And this is really cool because last year, none of these were filled in. These are five shares. So you can like help in shares. You don't have to like sponsor every month um, what it costs per kid, but you can do shares. And I think about 25% of these have been filled in, which is Wow, just way better. And I think some of you have taken that step to go beyond just Be Rich in November to help um, sponsor some of these kids. Anyways, and so, um, so I, I reached out to Ken and I said, hey, Ken, um, what, what, if we could give you 6,000 bucks, what would that do? How could that help at Bethel Orphanage? And he said, what would be really great is to buy mattresses for all the kids, to which the next logical question, which you really don't want to ask because you know the answer is not going to be great, what are they currently sleeping on, Ken? And he said, cardboard. And I said, wow, that's a real bit of a gut punch, okay? So we're gonna do $6,000 and give that to buy, ship, and deliver mattresses and bedding to all the kids at the orphanage um, this year. And so that, that's gonna be really awesome. Like I said, Ken's gonna be here next week to talk about it. Um, but we're just gonna be rich and be generous in kindness and good deeds, and that's ultimately our goal. Um, and to reach the, that goal, that $14,500 goal, is uh, not just a financial one. Um, it really isn't, because ultimately, here's my agenda. <laughs> we don't do this every year just to make an impact, though we will, because anytime you give, generally, there is an impact. It's also for us to experience and learn what it means to be generous, what it learns to appreciate and acknowledge really all that we've been given, all that we don't deserve, and in response, give to others. And so this year, not in a guilt or shame kind of way, I'm just gonna challenge us all. And I understand if this is not possible for everybody, but I want all of us to think in terms of mattresses, this year. We're going to give in terms of mattresses because if there's 50 kids in the orphanage and we're giving 6,000 bucks, each mattress is about $120 to buy, ship, and deliver, okay? And so I hope all of us will kind of dig deep a little bit and we'll give or pledge in increments of $120, okay? $120 to buy one, two, three, four mattresses. Like the kids, they're going to raise $400 to buy a couple mattresses, the infused kids. And so Parents, you can be talking to your kids about how they can give and why we give. Um, and you can pray personally together about, hey, Lord, what would it look like for me to give this year? And so encourage you, if you have follow-up questions after today or you're ready to give or be generous or pledge, to go to infuse.church slash be rich. We have a website there with Q&A, with explainers, with uh, pictures and stuff of past uh, videos, uh, past contributions that we've made, um, and help us collectively to be rich. Um, you can also pledge. That's something we started last year. Uh, I realized some of us, it's like, hey, I'd love to do more, but I can't do more in a month. 
uh, especially in the holiday month. But strategically, that's why we do it now is because, hey, let's learn to give first rather than indulge first because let's be honest, Christmas and all those, great holiday, love to sing about Jesus. But for a lot of us, it's about indulging. So before we get to the indulging, let's take a second to be generous and to be grateful for all that we have been given. And so you can pledge to give in November, December, and January towards whatever goal. So you can pledge to give. You can give a little bit now and give more later as we go along. But we're gonna write a check right away. Even if you pledge, we're just gonna write that check right away because some of these um, needs really shouldn't wait any longer. They can be taken care of um, now. And I think in so doing will certainly make an impact for us and for others um, because we really do need to remember if we are in the top 10% of wealthiest people in the world. And we probably didn't earn the most of that. So what should we do, right? Who am I? Who are we to be able to give so generously? You know, let's not seek worldly riches. Let's seek the one who richly provides and provide for others in response. So all next month, all this month rather, I just invite all of us to be rich in good deeds, and generosity and be willing to share. All right, let's pray and uh, sing a song together. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for David. Thank you for your story that you have for us that we can learn what it means to be generous. Start to practice that and explore that. Start to step through our fear and intimidation of giving away that which we feel like we've earned, that which we try every day to get more of in a way and to see how that can impact others. See how that can fill and meet real needs, needs that most of us, we don't have to contend with, but other people do. Lord, help us to take that step of generosity, to impact our neighbors, because it's gonna impact our neighbors, to impact some people who are wanting to do some good in some areas that they are familiar with that we may not know about, through a scholarship program. Lord, help us to provide for those kids so that they can go out and have fun with their friends and and connect and build relationships as they should do at this age and to help our wonderful school counselors who try to do so much with so little and take some of that burden off of their shoulders and to help those wonderful kids in Haiti who don't have a family to call their own. And really their family are their brothers and sisters in that orphanage. Their family are people like us in this room who care and love because that's what God has called us to do, even though they are thousands of miles away. Lord, help us to be generous, to make an impact and to let that generosity make an impact on us. Let it transform, help it to transform our hearts so we know who the real giver is and how people who have been given so much are called to give. In your name I pray, amen.